Hello! Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. <laughs> and we are the, the Squad, Squad Ghouls. <laughs> Just a couple of creepy gals that love creepy things. Hey, Bree. Hey, Sarah, what's going on? Hey, uh, I got a joke for you. <gasps> I'm ready. What fruit do scarecrows love the most? I don't know. Which ones? Strawberries. <laughs> um, well, how do vampires get around on Halloween? I don't know. How do they? On blood vessels. Ah! So great. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying these as much as we are. <sighs> we crack each other up. <laughs> but we legitimately don't usually see them. Even though we have a Google Doc, we put them in at the last minute so that... Um, there is some element of true giggle surprise when yes. we tell each other jokes. Yes. So we're not just fake Give laughing. me all the cheesy dad jokes, please. I need to laugh to keep from crying these days. Exactly. It's too much. Laughter is the best medicine. True story. <laughs> Should we get in our booze news? Booze news. Booze, booze news. news. It's a lot of sad news, actually, I for me. No. <laughs> well, starting it off to be ridiculously sad. Uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix has been canceled. Oh, why? I don't know, but the final episodes are supposed to air this fall, and it's canceled after that. Why? Um, I don't know, but there's a petition going around that already has more than 300,000 signatures to try to save it. Uh, one of them is mine. <laughs> I need to sign this. I did not see this petition. No, it's so sad. I I really love that show. Me I love too. the reboot. It's so good. But well, just like what they did with Sabrina and what they what they're doing with Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Like I love the like little dark darkness of it. Me too. Like I really enjoy that. It's not this candy coat stuff. I know. I wish there was more Salem in it, truthfully, but other than that. Yeah. I mean, he's there. He just doesn't really talk. I know. And I really liked it when he but, talked yeah. stuff. Well, cuz you know, he had kind of had an attitude. It was oh, nice. Oh, hell yeah, he did. <laughs> um, well, other <laughs> sad news. Uh, Universal Pictures is pushing back the openings of Candyman no. and its two Halloween sequels. No. Yeah, so Candyman will move back three weeks, so that's not I'm, so bad. I'm okay with this. From September 25th to o- October 16th. So still this year. Thank God. But now Halloween Kills has been delayed for a year. So it won't come out until next October, um, October 15th, 2021, and then Halloween ends, which I don't really believe in the title because I feel like he just keeps coming back. But um, Halloween ends will move from October 15th, 2021 to October 14th, 2022. Well, shit. Yeah. I'm sad. I mean, I get it. They want people in the... In the theaters again to see these movies to enjoy them a little bit better. So I, I get it. I know, but I'm just can't people just wear their masks? I know. <laughs> I I saw um <laughs> I saw something that apparently n- no shade to any potential listeners that we have in Alabama, but uh, apparently there are groups of Gen Zers in Alabama that are throwing COVID parties. And uh, the whole idea is to try to expose yourself to it. And the first person that tests positive for it wins some sort of cash prize. 
It's the dumbest thing I have heard in a long time. And there's been a lot of dumb garbage that's <laughs> the, come out the last four the, years. The but. listeners can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard right now. <laughs> I rolled my eyes so hard when I first read this that I'm pretty sure I sprained one of my eyeballs. Because yeah. that's just... I, I feel like that's been happening a lot to me lately. Stop, people. Please. You're ruining everything. <laughs> this is why the bars and all the other places are closing yet again. Because mm-hmm. you guys don't want to follow rules. And, and and they're really to protect you. I know. And even if <laughs> even if you're in good health, I mean, although I see a lot of press around folks that are our generation that are, you know, millennials and Gen X that are contracting it and dying mm-hmm. or ending up with permanent lung damage or diminished lung capacity among a, a myriad of other long term poor health effects uh even if you are in decent health and you recover and you make it your friend who's immunocompromised or your grandmother or you know the person behind you at the grocery store that's fighting cancer they won't be fine exactly just please please protect yourself and to help protect others i don't know how to convince you that you need to be a decent person and care about others if you didn't learn that your parents majorly screwed up yeah exactly uh, well, and also in other news, <laughs> um, also Universal just announced that the Forever Purge, the latest chapter of the dystopian horror franchise, will now will now be released July 9th, twenty twenty one. I'm not sad, and actually, if they just put it on a shelf and forget about it mm-hmm. and just don't bother well, releasing it, I wouldn't be sad about that either. Yeah, well, it was indefinitely delayed back in May, yeah. as I said. Yeah. In- podcasts before which i was okay with i was also okay with that yep so but for those who love the franchise next year july 9th be on the lookout Mm -hmm. and in the meantime there are a lot of better horror movies that you can occupy your time with exactly pick up a new hobby Um, there is a brand new eight part series featuring the Osborne family that was just announced by the travel channel and it's going to be titled the Osborne's want to believe. I want to believe too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I want to believe in anything these days. (laughs) Mostly I want to believe that there's good still left in the world, but it's hard. (laughs) It's real hard. (laughs) Um, so that's going to debut Sunday, August 2nd. Oh. The day that most of the signers of the Declaration of Independence signed it. Um, and this will center around Jack Osborne's determination to try to make his parents paranormal believers because apparently the Prince of Darkness does not believe in the paranormal. I feel like this should be longer than an eight-part series. I know, me too. <laughs> so, so that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, and then Amazon's also creating a new series delving into the world of the supernatural called Tether. Oh, I've heard about I did too. So this follows the terrifying journey of character Madeline Woods, uh, a woman driven to find her kidnapped husband and son and extract revenge on those who hurt them, dot, 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 and murdered her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's now a ghost and tethered to the house that she died in. Oh, that sounds good. I know. I'm excited for that one. (laughs) Um, And then finally... The film Ghosts of War will release on video on demand platforms on July 17th, which is in five days, but this podcast will come out far after it comes out. Um, and it's coming out from Vertical Entertainment. 
this film follows five battle-hardened American soldiers assigned to hold a French chateau near the end of World War II. Uh, formerly occupied by the Nazi High Command, this respite quickly descends into madness when they encounter a supernatural enemy far more terrifying than anything they've seen on the battlefield. Ooh. I know. Sounds great. I, I mean, I'm all for a good uh, period piece and uh, throw some spooky into it. And I am all about it, man. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. Not normally one for war movies, but this one I might actually. Yeah. Some, some of them one. are hard. Yeah. Some of them are real hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah. And Dunkirk. Oh. Dunkirk was real hard. I fell asleep. Did you really? I did. It was so loud. How did you fall asleep? Well, you know. <laughs> it happens very easily with me sometimes. It was so loud. Eating loads of sugar and popcorn. Yeah, that'll do it. And then trying to watch a movie and it's already mm, like 10, 11. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that I miss during the pandemic is I miss going to the movies. Me too. I miss show popcorn. And well, I feel like that's why they're pushing a lot of these films back because, you know, they're hoping people will listen and we can get back in the theater and actually really go and enjoy a movie. Yeah. But I read this morning that Florida, I think they just they just posted a record of was it 15,300 cases. Oh, my God. In one day, but it's <laughs> but it's Florida. Oh my gosh! And I still stand by my initial sentiment that we could just you know saw it off the U.S. at the Panhandle and call it a day. Come on, Florida. No shade, but sorry, Florida. You haven't done a lot to impress me lately. Yeah. But in happier news, let's talk about some of our creators of color that we want to keep highlighting in every yes. episode. Uh, so the first one that we wanted to call out is Ever Endearing. I love that. I know. So they make uh, one-of-a-kind custom headbands and Mickey ears. Love it. Um, and usually I'm finding that a love of horror also comes hand-in-hand with a love of all things Disney. So they've got a ton of really cute like haunted mansion headbands and ears and some other good spooky stuff. So they've got an Etsy shop that you should definitely check out because you will not be disappointed if headbands and Mickey yeah. ears are your things. Or don't check it out like me if you want to keep your money in your bank. Right? If if you've fallen <laughs> on hard times, maybe don't look. Yeah, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, speaking of really cute spooky things, I found a company called Sweet Bits. Ooh. And they create printed apparel in cute, quirky, sweet, and nerdy designs. And they kind of have like a good balance between colorful and dark. Um, they have a Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and a web shop. I'm here for this. Also, they have really cute leggings. Just Ooh. want to point that out. Really super cute. I mean, it's almost like, kind of like, uh, you know, borderline like kawaii a little bit. Like oh, the, cute. You know, a little Japanese influence in there a little bit. But some really cute stuff. If you happen to be a pastel goth, this is for you. Yes. Oh my gosh, look at these ever endearing ears. They're so cute. I told you not to look. I know. Well, I've, I've been looking, but these ones I didn't see before. They're so they cute. They have some really cute ones. Oh, my gosh. And okay. I, I'm very crafty, and I've made some ears, but I also have this thing where I like to help, you know, people trying to, you know, make it out there and, 
you know, I support their craft. Support artisans. It's important. Yes. So sometimes I will do that and not, you know, make my own things. But Mm -hmm. I also like to make my own things too. Yeah, man. But (laughs) anyway, so this week we are going to talk about Haunted Hollywood. Hooray! Or Hollywood. So even if you, (laughs) we obviously live in the greater Los Angeles area. So even if you um, don't live in the Hollywood area or even in, in California at all, I think that everybody can appreciate the some of the macabre and dark history of good old Tinseltown. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I wanted to talk about it. And in future episodes, we're going to pick haunted cities around the globe to yes. start delving into. Yeah, man. But uh, this for this one in particular, we wanted to start in our backyard because I can't think of a town that's got more sordid history than Hollywood. Oh, I know. And you know how much I just love anything old hollywood oh yeah it's like one of my favorite things to read about watch a movie about mm-hmm. <laughs> just or dress up like <laughs> just oh, yeah. anything mm-hmm. so it's yeah i love all this history it's one of my favorites oh yeah man especially going to some of the places like when we talked about doing the um black dahlia uh tour with um, dearly departed um it was kind of fascinating to learn some things that I didn't know mm-hmm. like where old clubs used to be or kind of hangouts for like the mobsters and you know some little like mob shootings happen like mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to learn some info that I didn't know mm-hmm. and I pulled some of my research from Wikipedia but I actually ended up pulling a lot of it from Curbed Los Angeles. Oh yeah, they're really good. Yeah, so if you want to read more about any of the places that we've mentioned, uh, I highly recommend checking out Curbed Los Angeles because truthfully any Yahoo can edit Wikipedia, mm-hmm. which is why you can't cite it as a source on right. papers that you submit for college. I, I did a lot of research on other sites too. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it I actually have a I have a haunted Hollywood book. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So I used a lot of that oh, well, for this too. Right on. <laughs> well to kick it off, um I'm picking the first one that I picked is my personal favorite spooky spot in Hollywood, which is the hotel called now called stay on main uh however it was formerly known as the hotel cecil yeah Ooh. yeah also called the cecil hotel and informally the cecil so uh stay on main as it's called now is a budget hotel in downtown la and it is on main street thus the name stay on main <laughs> uh, and it originally opened in 1927 So it's got 600 guest rooms and has a super shady history. Um, And then back in 2017, that's when it was being renovated and redeveloped into a mix of hotel rooms and residential units. Mm. So let's talk a little bit about the history of it. And then I'll get into some of the more nefarious guests and then some of the ghosts and, and deaths and such that haunt it. Um, So the Cecil was originally built in 1924 by William Banks Hanner, uh, and it was originally a destination for business travelers and tourists. It was designed by Lloyd Lester Smith in the Beaux-Arts style, and it cost around $1 million to complete. Uh, It boasted an opulent marble lobby, 
with stained glass mm. windows, potted palms, and alabaster statuary. Wish I could have seen it. I know it's gorgeous. If you look at, have, did, did you have a, or have you ever? I'm sure you have. So this is a dumb question. But if you, <laughs> if you have never, for our listeners, uh, looked at some of the old pictures from when it opened, it's spectacular. Yeah. It was beautiful. It doesn't look like that anymore. No, nope, sure doesn't. <laughs> and I've actually been in there. Um, the now. Uh, stay on main oh you have i have i've been in there because i've kind of walked around in that area and yeah it's i mean they've kept some of like i I would imagine some of the original pieces in there but it's it's completely different if you look at from the before and then after picture and it's worth noting that the where it is now is not a good part of town i mean it's not it's better. It's better, but it's not the best. Yeah. Like down, downtown LA itself <laughs> in the last 10 years has actually cleaned up a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. Well, they're um, just renovating all those old, you know, buildings. That's the, a lot of the um, theaters down mm-hmm. there, they're being used. Um, I mean, I'm glad they're doing that, but I mean, that's, that's going to be a long time coming. Yeah. The, I mean, those things have been just, buildings have been sitting down there forever, just yeah. empty and filled with you know homeless people living in them so Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are being converted into loft apartments which are spectacularly beautiful but you know for not a great part of town and a one-bedroom loft apartment it's going to cost you you know three grand which is quite a bit too much Mm -hmm. Um, but also i know that a lot of a ton of buildings have gone up in the last 10 years as well and there's a lot of work that's been done in preparation for the we're hosting the 2028 olympics is that correct yes okay yeah and a lot of them in preparation for that as well um which was also part of the package deal of having the new stadium put in which is gorgeous but also pushed back thanks to covid so uh hannah had invested with the knowledge that several similar hotels had been established elsewhere in downtown. Um, But within five years of its opening, the U S sank into the great depression. And even though the hotel itself was a very fashionable destination during the 1940s, uh, more and more decades beyond saw the decline of the hotel and the area that was, became known as skid row Mm -hmm. was increasingly populated with transients. So, uh, and sometimes there were, I think the, the densest population record was that that there were 10,000 homeless people that lived within a four mile radius of each other. Yep. I Um, feel like that's probably more now. (laughs) Yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. Still. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a rough part of town. Um, and then by the 1950s, the hotel had gained a reputation as a residence for transients. So in 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished and new owners took over. And then in 2011, it was rebranded as Stay on Main, complete with a new website. Um, its old website expired at the end of 2013. So then in 2014, the uh, hotel itself was sold to NYC hotelier Richard Bourne for $30 million. And then another New York-based firm as well called Simon Barron Development. And they acquired a 99-year ground lease on the property. So Matt Barron, who's the president of Simon Barron, said that he was committed to the preservation 
of architecturally or historically significant components, such as the Grand Lobby. Yes. Uh-huh. But, that does look the same. Yeah. But his company planned to completely redevelop the interior and fix the quote-unquote hodgepodge work that had been done in the more recent years, which, <laughs> you know, looking back at any old building, that's 100% true. Yeah. Um, so beyond renovating the rooms, uh, they also had plans to put in a rooftop pool, a gym, and a lounge. And that construction should be complete by next year. Nice. Yeah, so then in 2017, the L.A. City Council voted to deem the Cecil a historic cultural monument because it is representative of an early 20th century century American hotel and because of the historic significance of the architect's body of work. So let's talk about some of the more nefarious guests that are associated (laughs) with that hotel. This is what makes people really want to stay there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, um, Elizabeth Short, uh, better known as the Black Dahlia, she was one of, I I think everybody knows who the Black Dahlia is at this point. Um, So, she is one of LA's best known unsolved murders, and she was reportedly seen at the Cecil's Bar in the days shortly before her murder in January of 1947. Mm -hmm. And it was also reported residence for serial killers such as Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. In 1985, and then Jack Unterweger in 1991. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, there have been several deaths that have occurred. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. So, let's talk about a few of them. And there's there's a lot, actually. <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> died in this hotel. Yeah. Another reason why I don't think I will be staying here. Yeah. Sorry. Um. So, in November 1931... Uh, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton, who was 46, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. Oh, lovely. Uh, The week prior, he had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. His death appears to be the earliest known completed suicide at the hotel. In 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodich, who was 25 years old, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. And then in late July of 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, who was 53 years old, was found dead in his room. He had slashed his throat with a razor. Um, he left several notes, one of which cited poor health as a reason for his suicide. Wow. And, yeah. And mind you, we're not out of the 30s yet, and I've still got three more. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> It's a lot. Yeah. In March 1937, Grace E. Magro fell from a ninth story window. Her fall was broken by telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the now demolished Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Um, police were unable to determine her cause of death, whether it was an accident or she was attempting suicide. Oh, yeah. In January 1938, U.S. Marine Corps Fireman Roy Thompson, who was 35 years old, jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found on the oh God, he was found on the skylight of a neighboring building. That's awful. Oh. Um, yeah, he had been staying at the Cecil for several weeks. Um, in May 1939, Navy officer Edwin Neblet, who was only 39 years old, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. What's with with, with all the military guys? <laughs> I mean I just want to any well I'll tell you any any person that I have personally met who has been deployed overseas and who has seen combat for any war whether it was Korea, Vietnam, 
desert storm or the current war between Afghanistan and Iraq, any person that I know who has been deployed has never come back the same. So sad. Yeah. And don't even get me started. We do, we don't do nearly enough to take yeah, care of our really veterans. Yeah, we really don't. I've said that before. No. And, but yeah, just really sad that a lot of that is happening at this hotel. Mm-hmm. Just, just a, a thing I wanted to point out. Anyway, continue. In January 1940, teacher Dorothy Seeger Shigers, I'm sorry, Dorothy, rest in peace, I can't say your name, uh, ingested poison while staying at the Cecil and was reported by the Los Angeles Times to be near death. No further reports were published about her condition. So, Dorothy, I don't know what happened to you. I hope you made it. Um, 1944, another Dorothy, Dorothy Jean Purcell. Uh, who was only 19 years old, was sharing a room at the Cecil with her boyfriend, who was a shoe salesman, uh, who his name was Ben Levine. He was 38. Um, Purcell was apparently unaware that she was pregnant and she went into labor. What? There's a, there's a couple of real, real uh, dead giveaways, um, usually. <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah. Um, she later testified that she did not want to disrupt <laughs> her sleeping boyfriend. So she went into the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. Thinking the baby was dead, she threw him out the window and he landed on the roof of an <gasps> adjac- adjacent building. What? Uh-huh. So she was charged with murder and three psychiatrists testified that she was mentally confused. Yeah, it's... Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, in January 1945, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So then in 19, November of 1947, Robert Smith, not from the cure, obviously, uh, <laughs> who, was, who was only 35, died after jumping from one of the seventh floor windows. Oh um, in October of 1954, a San Francisco stationary firm employee named Helen Gurney jumped from her window of the seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil's marquee. Um, I, I, you know, I kind of wonder if... Is, this makes so much more sense reading this. Why uh, my hotel rooms are always how always have locked windows. Mm-hmm. You can't open them. Um, and then in February of 1962, Julia Frances Moore jumped from her window out of the eighth floor room and landed on a second story interior light. Well, she didn't leave a suicide note. And among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents and change and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. In oh. October of 1962, Pauline Otten jumped from the window of her ninth floor room after an argument with her ex- estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to her suicide, and she landed on a pedestrian, which killed them both instantly. Aww. Yeah. There were no witnesses, so police initially thought that she and this pedestrian had committed suicide together. However, they later determined that he had his hands in his pocket at the time that he died, um, and he was still wearing his shoes. So had he jumped, his shoes would have likely fallen off during the fall or upon impact, and his hands would not have been in his pockets. That's how they determined it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in June of 1964, there was another hotel worker that discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, who was a retired telephone operator who had died in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. Oh. I know. She was well-known around the area and had earned her nickname because she fed birds in Pershing Square. Uh, near her body was the Los Angeles Dodgers, Dodgers cap that she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seed. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and then they arrested a potential suspect in her murder who was seen walking through Pershing Square with bloodstained clothing. Um, but he was later cleared of the crime and her murder remains unsolved. Um, and then in December of 1975, a still unidentified woman who was approximately 23 years old jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. And she had registered at the hotel on December 16th under the name Allison Lowell. Hmm. But that was not her real name. And in September of 1982, so we had a little bit of a break in the 80s. Um, there's <laughs> there's enough shit going on in the 80s. <laughs> Hopefully it was closed. Yeah. <laughs> um, a man was found deceased in the alley behind the Cecil. Um, authorities believe that he either fell from, jumped from, or was pushed from the hotel's 15th floor. Um, at the time of his death, he was five about 5'9", weighing around 185 pounds. He was wearing blue sweatpants and a black sweatshirt. Um, and they had zero idea who he was. They still actually have zero idea who he is. And this is probably the most famous. Oh, I was waiting for you to get to this one. We had we had to go from the 30s to 2013. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know. Took a minute. But this is the one I was waiting for. Uh-huh. So... Uh, let's talk about a Canadian exchange student by the name of Elisa Lamb. So on February 19, 2013, the naked body of Elisa Lamb, who was a 21-year-old Canadian student, was found inside one of the water supply tanks on the hotel roof. She had gone missing almost three weeks earlier on January 31st. Her decomposing body was discovered by a maintenance worker in one of the rooftop water tanks after guests had complained about low water pressure and water that quote-unquote tasted funny. (laughs) Oh my god. Yep. Yep. Um, Authorities later ruled her death an accidental drowning. Um, Although the video surveillance footage, which if you haven't watched it, you should. It's all, you can find it on YouTube. Um, so video surveillance footage taken from inside an elevator shortly before her disappearance showed her acting strangely. So we talked about the elevator game in our Mm -hmm. paranormal games episode last week. Um, that's kind of been tied loosely to this. Um, so she was pressing multiple elevator buttons, hiding in the corner of the elevator button and waving her arms wildly, causing widespread, widespread speculation about the cause of her death. Um, After the elevator video was released, there were different theories that she had bipolar and for which she was prescribed various medications that could have contributed to her erratic behavior. Um, However, there are still those rumors that persist that she died as a result of playing the elevator game. That's why I won't be playing that. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. And if you if you do watch the video or if you already have, you know what I'm talking about. It looks like she's hiding from someone. And then she gets out of the elevator at one point and that's when she starts kind of like moving her hands like she's having a full conversation with someone. It's it's really, really eerie to watch. Oof. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple, uh, actually last one. Uh, on June 13th, 2015, the body of a 28 year old man was found outside the hotel. Um, some thought that he may have committed suicide by jumping from the hotel. Although a spokesperson for the County coroner informed the LA times that the cause of death had not been determined. So that makes 16 deaths at least from the Cecil whether they were uh, non-natural causes such as, you know, completing suicide, accidents, or murder. Um, 
And this excludes the case of Dorothy Seeger from 1940, who was in critical condition after ingesting poison. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so think of all the, the creepy ghosts that are crawling around that place. Also, I don't want to stay here. I mean, I'll do it if you do it. If you stay with me, I'll do it. Okay, well, we're bringing gallons of our own water. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without question. Just saying. Without question. <laughs> Just saying. And I'm, I'm down to, like, you know, record us, like, walking around there. That would actually be kind of cool. I'll do it if you do for it. For safety, safety and numbers. It's really for research. Yeah. But, yeah, seriously, we're bringing our own water. Even, even to <laughs> bathe in not even gonna bathe in that water oh yeah i don't care that there's no water tower or anything i just have that you know it's just kind of like takes me back to american horror story hotel oh yeah like i just feel like all those people are there and all of their deaths are going to be repeated mm-hmm. while we're staying there yeah what was that movie with john cusack room something something i know what you're talking about but I don't remember the name. I imagine that staying there would be like that. Yeah, exactly. I know, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What was the first one you picked, Brie? Well, I was kind of starting a little bit, like, not really from the beginning, but, <laughs> like, in the earlier days, um, I wanted to talk about the Hollywood sign. Oh, yay! Is very very haunted. Even just walking around there now, but obviously the most famous story is that the Hollywood sign is haunted by the ghost of Peg Entwistle, who committed suicide by leaping to her death on top of the H in 1932. Climb up the H of the Hollywood sign, and it's really sad. It was just before the release of her, um, the movie Thirteen Women. That was her only film role. And she wanted to be, you know, so bad, a very big actress. But just a little background story for people who don't know. Um, on uh, September 18th, 1932, a woman was hiking below the Hollywood Land sign. At that time, it, was, it said Hollywood Land mm-hmm. for those people who don't know. It didn't just say Hollywood. Right. Oh, my God. And Ava <laughs> just snored. That was really cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> So I'm I'm sure that the microphones probably picked it up, but my my 15 pound dog snores worse than any human you will ever meet, and and she's a she's not like a a smush face dog. She hasn't been chased in any parked cars. She's got a normal dog face, and she just I, I don't know what kind of breathing problems she has. But, but I just heard that I was like that was cute. That's well, really cute. I I felt so bad because for years cause we've had her for five years now, and for the first four of those i thought that the snoring was jared i'm like damn he snores really loud and it was peanut <laughs> so cute i had to apologize about a year ago i'm like i'm so sorry i thought that was you this whole time <laughs> she's over there having her little doggy nap while we do this talk about ghost stories <laughs> i guess that's comforting for her <laughs> totally um anyways <laughs> Sorry, when the cute dog snores, you have to comment on it. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so on September 18th, 1932, a woman hiking below the Hollywood land sign found a woman's shoe, purse, and jacket. Uh, She opened the purse and found a suicide note, which after she looked down the mountain and saw the body below. Um, 
The woman reported her findings to Los Angeles police and laid the items on the step on the steps of the Hollywood police station. Well, that was nice of her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Later, a detective and two radio um, car officers found the body in the ravine below uh, below the sign. Um, Aunt Whistle remained um, unidentified until her uncle, um, who she's been living with in the, the Beechwood Canyon area, identified her remains. Uh, he connected her two-day absence and the description... Um, and the initials PE, which was written on the suicide note. Mm. And they had published that in the papers. Um, he said that on Friday the 16th, she told him she was going for a walk to a drugstore and to see some friends. Um, and then she made her way to the nearby uh, southern slope of Mount Lee to the foot of the Hollywood land sign, climbed the workman's ladder to the top of H, and then jumped. Mm. Really sad. Her cause of death uh, by the coroner said it was from multiple fractures of the pelvis. That's sad. And her suicide note read, I am afraid. I am a coward. I am sorry for everything. If I had done this a long time ago, it would have saved a lot of pain. P.E. Oh, how sad. I never knew that. Yeah. When I read that, I kind of shed a little tear. It's really sad. Because women trying to be actresses in those days were not treated very well no so like just reading that made me really sad how sad yeah but you know her death brought wide and very sensationalized uh, publicity um her funeral was at the wm uh, strathers mortuary in hollywood on september 20th and then she was cremated and her ashes were sent to glendale Ohio, where she was from, <laughs> to be with so next tragic. to her father. Oh. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really sad. But on in 2014, um, roughly 100 people marked the anniversary of Aunt Whistle's uh, death by gathering in the parking lot of Beechwood Market in Hollywood to watch 13 women um, on an outdoor screen, and the proceeds from the raffle. And from the food and beverages sold at the screening, were donated to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention in Whistle's name. That's wonderful. Yeah. So there's a nice little somewhat ending on that. But yeah, I definitely wanted to get the full story of that. And for those who, who have not watched it yet on Netflix, please watch Ryan Murphy's Hollywood. It's really, really good. Because it talks about this exact subject peg mm-hmm. and whistle mm. but also other things that happened very badly in the, the early days of hollywood and and filmmaking and also if you watch it for no other reason reason watch it for patty lupon that too because she's so good yeah so good i love her and dylan mcdermott and dylan mcdermott is <laughs> hilarious as the gas station owner oh my god so good take me to dreamland (laughs) (laughs) anyways it's so good yeah it's really good i mean but it's ryan murphy yes that's true i mean i can honestly say that he hasn't really made anything that i haven't really liked except american horror story 1984 but i think you still liked that i still liked it because i understood why he did it the way he did i mean the ending was terrible but i don't know you know me i watched them all the way through and I still find some enjoyment out of them. I mean, I understand why he did it the way he did it, yeah. but I still didn't like it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, like, I kind of feel like everything he touches is gold. 
I remember when the <laughs> when the trailer came out for 1984 when they released that that's what it was going to be and my the exact thing that I said to everybody was this is going to be either really really good or it's going to be really really bad. I, my personal opinion was it was really really bad. <laughs> but also like everybody came out with like an 80s theme that year. I know. You know which it, I didn't get that at all. No, I really didn't. Which which pisses me <laughs> off because horror goes through all of these ridiculous trends. Mm-hmm. So zombies were super trendy for a while when Walking Dead came out. Vampires were super trendy for a while. And, you know, now we went into retro horror and that became super like, yeah. guys, let's just, let's get some new ideas. Let's get some original exactly. cinema going. Please. And we're telling you all these stories. So I feel like a lot of these can be scripts. I'm just well, saying. And that's why I loved some of the newer horror films that have come out, like, um, sinister and sinister kept me up at night that 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 was was very creepy it was ridiculously creepy the first purge not the movie the first purge but the very first the very first one film and yeah the only one that anybody should watch that one (laughs) that one made me so uneasy Mm -hmm. um well because it's a little close to home yeah the sixth sense (laughs) Uh, the first Insidious movie. I mean, these were all movies that have come out within the last 20, 25 years that I feel like were really well done and they were original ideas. Mm -hmm. So we know it can be done. But also we're telling you these great stories today. Yes. So So make a movie about it. Whoever is listening and they're a screenwriter. And thank us. And invite us to the premiere. Yeah, get on that. Like also... I feel like the story of Elisa Lamb should be a movie. I'm, I'm just shocked saying. it's not. Or just in general. I know that there was American Horror Story Hotel that was kind of loosely based on Hotel Cecil, but I feel like it should be a, a scary movie. I agree. But anyway. I agree. What was another one that you wanted to talk about? So the other one I want to talk about, or one of the other ones I want to talk about, it's another hotel. Sorry. Yeah, it it's there's a lot of hotels there's a lot of haunted hotels in los angeles um so this one's the roosevelt hotel Ooh, mm-hmm. you know why i like that one. Oh yeah because i want to stay there and see Marilyn's ghost you well we're going to talk about Marilyn's ghost yeah um, i will stay here with you okay let's do it like post pandemic <laughs> let's do it um so the roosevelt hotel was named for shocker president theodore roosevelt yep uh, the Hollywood Roosevelt officially welcomed its first guests on May 15th, 1927, at a time when the movie industry was experiencing a revolutionary transition from silent to sound films, as outlined in Singing in the Rain. Um, with a group of investors included husband and wife power couple, the so-called king of Hollywood, Douglas Fairbanks, and queen of the movies, Mary Pickford. The 12-story hotel on the corner of Orange Drive quickly became a fixture for the Hollywood elite. Um, its reputation for housing the silver screen's brightest stars was cemented on May 16, 1929, exactly two years and one day after it opened, uh, when the Blossom Ballroom hosted the very first ever Academy Awards. Yes, it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a gorgeous hotel. It's got this really striking Spanish colonial revival style architecture it's that beautiful. In there. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous. If I could live there, I would. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it's home to some very odd things. So guests that have stayed have, have heard or, you know, noises and running and footsteps and knocking and, you know, female voices and such during the night. Um, however, the most, 
famous guest that haunts this hotel is Marilyn Monroe. I'm here for it. Yep. So So here for it. Yep. So she supposedly haunts her old room, which was room 1200, and it's where she lived as her fame grew. Um, And it's rumored that her first ever ad was shot at the Roosevelt Hotel's pool. So many people see her in mirror or in the mirror in her room. Um, and sometimes they also see a little girl in a blue dress as documented by a maintenance worker to the Hollywood reporter. Um, and then also uh, there's another apparition of Montgomery Clift, who's been blamed for patting guests shoulders and watching maids in room 928, where he stayed for three months while he was filming from here to eternity. I'm also here for that. Right. And the ghost of Carol Lombard has also been oh. spotted floating around some of the upper floors. Oh, I didn't hear that one. Yeah, man. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And in the Blossom Room, where the first Oscars were held, two ghosts have been documented. Uh, there's a tuxedo man who just shows up, and then a another man in a white suit. Oh. Yeah, there's just so much history, that hotel. Mm-hmm. And I... I'm here for it. I seriously, I I want to meet Marilyn. It's like, it's on my to-do list. I wonder. (laughs) It's a weird to-do list item, I know. But there has been too many people that have gone on record saying that they have seen her staying in her room and, you know, just having like a weird experience and like hearing her sing and all this. And I'm just like... Oh, I'm so here for it. I have so many questions. I want to be loved by you. Yes, you. <laughs> nobody else but you. I feel like we need to put that in. <laughs> I want to be kissed by you alone. <laughs> boop, boop, be doop. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, I am a huge Marilyn Monroe fan. <laughs> I have a million pictures of her in my bedroom. I moved to them. I can attest to that. (laughs) I'm not exaggerating. I have given some away because at one point I said to myself, it might be too much. It's never too much. Yeah. But then I thought about it again. (laughs) I have a huge painting of her in my room. I will never, ever get rid of it. I don't care how old I am. It's her Playboy centerfold. I will never get rid of it. That is in my room i don't care if it makes people uncomfortable i'm sorry well i mean since i know that we're, sorry not sorry we're bored in quarantine right now i just logged on to their website to see if it's possible to book room 1200 and um it doesn't look like it's available for selection no you have to call for that because i've already asked how much is it oh it's not cheap how much is not cheap i mean one night is like a good 700 but if we get like four people to get in on it then it's cheap we take a ouija board and we try to talk to my i mean but i thought we talked about the whole ouija board thing that's true i don't think that's a good idea we can just wait for her to show up i'm okay with that okay we'll go that route i'll just you know bring some maryland fan stuff bring your nine million Marilyn paintings and walk <laughs> them up in the room. She just shows up. I'll, I'll leave, and you know what I'll do? I'll just leave a Sharpie and maybe she'll sign it. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. She might. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I heard she's a friendly ghost. I mean, I could see I that. also want to know the truth of how she died, so I'm hoping she tells me that too. Yeah, I don't think that she overdosed, but that's just me. I also agree with that okay. statement. But I also don't think that Kurt Cobain killed himself. So I don't know how much that says for me. Also that. Okay. Then we're on the same page. Yes, we are. 
<laughs> Clearly, that's why we have a podcast together. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will also get into another hotel. Woohoo! The Chateau Marmont. Oh, I love the Chateau Marmont. I would also like to stay here. Yeah, me too. Also expensive. But also because sometimes I'm a little nosy and I like to see what other people are doing. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> you know, celebrity uh, gossip. A lot of bad things have happened here. So, <laughs> but to get in a little history of that. So for those of you who don't live in the greater Los Angeles area, the Chateau Marmont is a hotel located at 8 221 Sunset Boulevard, famous mm-hmm. Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hotel was designed by architects uh, Arnold A. Weitzman and William Douglas Lee and completed in 1929. Uh, it was modeled loosely after the Chateau d'Ambrose. I can't say it. That's okay. I won't Am- judge you. Ambrose. That one. It, it was, it's a royal retreat in uh, France's Loire Valley. Hmm. Yeah. Also, another place I want to go to in France. But anyway. We'll we'll go when Europe decides to let us back in. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, The hotel is uh, known as both a long and short-term residence for celebrities. um, Historically populated by either people on their way up or on their way down. Mm. Yeah, a lot of on their way down, down, actually. Yeah. Uh, as well as a home for New Yorkers in Hollywood. The hotel has 63 rooms, suites, cottages, and bungalows. Hmm. Uh, The hotel's reputation as a place, uh, it was a place known to go and misbehave. So, and this dates back to the days of, like, you know, the 1930s. So, this, people were causing trouble way back then. Prohibition be (laughs) damned. Yeah. (laughs) Um... Studio, uh, the studios rented the apartments and rooms, um, you know, for having their stars to kind of be in a safe place so they can, you know, kind of do their little nasty habits behind the scenes so, you know, nobody can see. (laughs) Yeah, the famous uh, example being Harry Kahn, head of Columbia Pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, telling two of his randiest young stars. Randiest. (laughs) Grandiose <laughs> William Holden and Glenn Ford. If he, and this is in quotations, <laughs> if you must get into trouble, do it at the Chateau Marmont. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I should do this. <laughs> I'm telling you. I feel like we should go. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me Google that one too. Yeah. How much is it to stay at the Chateau Marmont? Oh, I'm sure it's not cheap. And the bungalows for sure. Because I was like, oh, it would be really cool to stay in some of the famous bungalows that some people say which i'm getting into right now i'll just take a uh, i'll take a humongous can of lysol yeah so that, that too sanitize everything and let's yeah. just go because once i get into like all this stuff you're gonna want to order on amazon right now um <laughs> take a black light with me <laughs> so um most of the modern ghosts can be found at the chateau Vermont. um mainly the biggest one obviously is john belushi who mm. passed away there. Uh, he was 33 when he died of a drug overdose in, bung- in in one of the bungalows. And I know... We just watched the Blues Brothers last I night. I had the number. I guess I didn't realize that he was only a year... He was only a year older than me when he died. Yeah, I had the room Damn. number, but 
I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. It was bungalow number three. Shit. Yeah, and that was in 1982, and he died from a speedball injection. Damn. And I'm going to be real honest. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Because I don't do that. (laughs) So... Yeah, just don't don't do drugs, please. Say no, kids. <laughs> but um, some other famous stories. Uh, um, Howard Hughes, when he would stay there, he would supposedly um, spy on women at the Chateau pool using prism binoculars. Oh, I believe that 100%. <laughs> he was a womanizer from way back. Yeah. But, um, no, it's widely been said that... Um, F. Scott Fitzgerald had a heart attack at the Chateau in the late 1930s. Um, as they said, Hollywood was slowly beating him to, be- to death. Mm. But it actually happened across the street at the Schwab's drugstore, which is no longer there. And he was buying a pack of cigarettes when that mm. happened. Um, in 1955, James, James Dean supposedly jumped through a window to audition for Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, man. And um, and then director Nicholas Ray lived in a bungalow at the time where he was having an affair with underage Natalie Wood. Hey, now. Yeah. Poor <laughs> Natalie Wood. And, uh, and then there's been a few stories about uh, Jim Morrison from The Doors having a rough time getting into or out of the building. Supposedly, he jumped off uh, either a roof or a terrace and he was so high that he walked away just fine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> also, some other things that happen. Uh, members of Led Zeppelin rode their motorcycles through the lobby in the 1960s. Okay, I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> um, on January 23rd, 2004, uh, photographer Helmut Newton, who lived at the hotel, lost control of his Cadillac and crashed into the driveway wall. Um, he was killed. And then there is a commonly denied or non-denied story that Benicio Del Toro and Scarlett Johansson hooked up in the elevator the night before the 2004 Oscars. I mean, they're both really attractive people, so I could absolutely see that happening. I'm okay with this. Yep. (laughs) Um, Also, some other weird things happening. Lindsay Lohan shacked up at the the Chateau um, in the midst of her first drunk driving scandal. So she was there for a while. Poor Lilo. Hanging out. Poor and then, Lilo. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then uh, um, on on top of that, uh, Lohan was banned in 2012. That's fair. <laughs> she had been living in Suite 33, so Lysol. Uh. <laughs> After racking up a $46,000 tab on stuff like cigarettes, candles, Damn. iPhone chargers, and copies of the Architectural Digest. That's a lot of copies of the Architectural Digest for I mean, $46,000. I'm glad she's reading. Shit. <laughs> but also, um, before that, in uh, September 2007, Britney Spears was temporarily banned from the Chateau Free for smearing face with her food and, you know, and disgusting the, the fellow diners in the restaurant. You know what? Everybody needs to cut Britney a little bit of a break. Yeah, because come poor, on. Poor girl has been through so much in her life. Just let her be happy. Yeah, and I will tell you, her Instagram gives me life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's her Instagram account is hilarious. And also her most recent butt workout, if you attempt that, you will die. Yeah. I'm telling you from experience. It's rough. So yeah, the chateau is uh was pretty rocking in its day, and I'm apparently still is. 
Damn. But I've never been, but would like to stay. So I looked it up. Um, you have to stay for a minimum of two nights. Of course. Mm-hmm. Now, if we wanted a one bedroom or a two bedroom, it's actually, it looks like 1100 bucks a night for a two bedroom suite. Oh my God. You, I'll be at the Roosevelt. <laughs> I don't need to stay there that bad. But some of the the normal rooms are far cheaper. It's like a few hundred a night. Okay, so. that's okay. But if just, you want to stay just in a bungalow, for the experience, the bungalow, I'm cool because I feel like I might catch something <laughs> if I stay in one of those bungalows because so many, as they said, there's just been so many weird parties mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, I'm good. Nice. Yeah. Well, the next one that I picked is not a hotel. Okay. I know. <laughs> I'm transitioning away from a hotel. Um, so it's actually the comedy store. Oh, yeah. I've heard about the ghosts in here. Mm-hmm. So. And I've never been. Now, I've only been there once and it's been a minute. Yeah. Um, so the comedy store was opened in April of 1972 by comedians Sammy Shore and Rudy DeLuca. Um, so the building was formerly home, home, gosh, I cannot speak today and I have four <laughs> cups of coffee. I'm amped. Um, formal, formerly the home of Ciro's, a popular Hollywood nightclub owned by William Wilkerson and later a rock and roll venue where the birds were discovered in 1964. Um, when it was reopened as the comedy store in 1972, it included a 99 seat theater and as a result of a divorce settlement, Sham- Sammy Shore's ex-wife, Mitzi Shore, began operating the club in 1973. And she was able to buy the building in 1976. She immediately renovated and expanded the club to include a 450-seat main room. Mm. And in 1974, fun fact, uh, it hosted the wedding reception of newlyweds Liza Minnelli and Jack Haley Jr. Oh. Yeah. The comedy club signage was covered for the evening by signs reading Ciro's, denoting the venue's prior identity. Um, And the event was attended by dozens and dozens of Hollywood celebrities, including Liz Taylor, Sammy Davis Jr., Cher, Bob Fosse, um, Johnny Carson, Goldie Hawn, Cesar Romero, Priscilla Presley, um, and other stars past and present. Uh, sidebar, fun fact, my 83-year-old neighbor down the street, Gloria, who's like the sweetest little lady on the face of the planet, uh, she, we went over to visit her and take her some stuff out of our yard the other day. She showed us a picture of her wedding day in 1963. Dead ringer for Priscilla Presley. Really? Dead ringer. I would love that. I know. I'm going to have to take a copy of that picture next time. But she's gorgeous. Um, So this whole soiree was so grand that Sunset Boulevard was temporarily blocked by police to allow everybody to arrive in their limos and such. Um, So the Sunset Strip had long been known as the playground of the stars, um, including some of Hollywood's biggest moguls and Oscar winning artists. They dined and danced and romanced in clubs along the strip. Um, And then the most popular rendezvous, Ciro's, formerly the Comedy Club, opened in 1940. And today it's called the Comedy Store, the world famous laugh club. But late at night, the ghosts of Ciro's rule the roost. Hmm. So one night on his way out the back door, comedian slash security guard Blake Clark heard banging on the patio or on the piano, not the patio. I'm sorry. On the piano in the belly room, a small venue on the second floor. 
Um, and some of the waitresses had already reported odd occurrences in there, mostly pranks and such. Um, one of the young women would open the room, light candles, arrange tables, and leave. Five minutes later, she'd return to find the candles out, the lights off, the door locked. Creepy. Um, yep. And when she returned with the key, she'd find the door open and the room was set up again. Wow. Yep. Uh, so she, uh, Clark rushed upstairs when he heard the piano, thinking somebody was locked in. And as soon as he unlocked the door, the noise stopped. Um, he flipped on the light. Nobody was in the room. Checked all the corners and then locked up. As he turned to leave, he heard it again. Somebody was deliberately banging on the piano. Um, and then he heard the piano on numerous other occasions. Um, there was never a night when he made final rounds uh, in the large showroom, which had been Ciro's main room. Uh, he moved to lock it back up, but stopped in his tracks. A chair on one end of the stage began to slide across to the other side. And he stood there and watched it as it glided three feet to 10 feet to 20 feet. Um, in a flash, he f started running and got the hell out of there, as I would too. Um, and then on another night, he went to the rear empty part of the stage to turn off a light. And seconds later, he turned around to find 40 chairs silently piled center stage 10 feet away from him. Ooh. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the comedy store is mega haunted by apparently a bunch of tricksters. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, makes sense. Yep. We're better. We're better, right? Yeah. Well, I have a um, couple of other little hotels. <laughs> <laughs> because you know they're all haunted ghosts deserve to be comfortable too <laughs> um but it's probably one of my favorite hotels to visit and probably one of well other than the Cecil hotel mm -hmm. <laughs> this one is said to be the most haunted and that's the Millennium Biltmore. Oh, I'm so glad you picked this one. <laughs> oh, you know I had to. We still have to do tea here. We still yes, have to go for high tea. But also, I want to stay. That's okay. We can have, can we have tea with ghosts. At one point, I wanted to get married here until they showed me how and much. I was going to say until they gave you the estimate. And, and then, then I politely escorted myself out <laughs> but I don't anyway but it was nice to go to like a little wedding show in there oh yeah that was cool mm -hmm. a little experience but anyway <laughs> um it was it originally opened as the los angeles biltmore hotel on october 1st 1923 and then the celebrations pretty much there almost began immediately um and they were on a scale that like they were huge, like nothing that anyone had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. um, like then the following evening after the opening, 3,000 people poured into the hotel for a party that included, you know, big, you know, ho Hollywood, you know, stars, uh, studio head Jack Warner, Cecil B. DeMille, Mary Pickford, and then Myrna Loy. Like there's a lot of big people. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like the thing, like when you were going to the Biltmore for a party. It was a huge deal. There was always like, you know, these big bands and, you know, all these like it singers coming. It was very big to do. Yeah. It was like the place to go. Like if you didn't go there, you weren't cool. You were nobody. Exactly. <laughs> um, and it's uh, located downtown Los Angeles, um, very close to the very, at the time, it, the thriving uh, Broadway theater district. Um, which is not very far from there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
there, uh, even in the time of uh, prohibition, the hotel's gold room acted kind of as a speakeasy, had a hidden door. And so you could like kind of avoid the police and you got to, you know, had a little mini escape uh, onto Olive Street, which the door is still there. So when I go back there, after learning this, I would like to see if... Let's sneak in. Yeah. See if it's still operating. Yeah, I would like to see this. (laughs) Um, The presidential suite um, has been seen by six U.S. presidents, royalty, and and notorious gangsters like Bugsy Siegel and Al Capone. Mm. And... um, it still has a spot to hide liquor, which remained illegal uh, in most of L.A. until 1933, for those of you who didn't know. Um, from the beginning, the Biltmore was a backdrop for Hollywood in more in more ways than one, and the hotel is heavily intertwined with that history. Uh, within its first year, it was already sh- a shooting location for uh, DeMille's uh, 1924 film, Triumph, mm. and it would continue to offer um, itself for scenes in other film, um, such as uh, Ocean's Eleven uh, in uh, ni- in the 1960s, The Sting in 1973, Chinatown, oh, uh, one of yeah, my favorite movies, uh, Bugsy from 1921, uh, 1991, <laughs> <laughs> and as well as the television show Mad Men, another oh. one of my favorites. <laughs> um, another big thing that happened there in 1927, they um held the academy uh, motion picture arts and science awards there and that was in the crystal ballroom mm-hmm. and if you go there and you go down to the hallway where the creepy hallway for the bathrooms is <gasps> yeah, 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 they yeah. have all the pictures of all the ceremonies that's right they do famously you'll see a picture with disney and shirley temple mm-hmm. very cool I, that hallway like and the bathrooms gorgeous yes gorgeous gorgeous but, like, one of the creepiest things at the end of that hallway of pictures is a picture of the Black Dahlia herself, Elizabeth Short. It sure is. And because it is the last known place that she was uh, right before her death. Mm. Yeah. So, mm. it's kind of creepy to, and eerie to see her picture at the end of that hallway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But some other ghost stories, I mean, they've seen her walking around, they've seen her just kind of giggling and hanging out on an elevator, another reason why I don't want to go on elevators by myself. Um, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> um, also, um, the, uh, the, his- the, the hotel served as a, a temporary boarding house for sailors arriving in Los Angeles prior to entering World War II, so there's also glimpses of, you know troops of soldiers passing through the lobby at night oh creepy yeah way creepy (laughs) um the second and the ninth floors are the most haunted in the hotel um guests staying on the ninth floor sometimes hear the sounds of a little girl giggling her footsteps racing up and down the hallway um others have even spotted her you know watching them from like a corner and then like they turn around and then she's gone um a lot of people on the second floor have stated that they've encountered a spirit of a nurse, like, you know, aiding some of the, the troops that were there. You. Yeah. Um, also, guests of the hotel claim that they saw a woman in black in the lobby, and workers recall hearing sounds of parties taking place on the first floor. Mm. Yeah. It's so 
creepy. <laughs> Way creepy. Yeah, um, they say if you go into the crystal ballroom um, at night, a lot of the um, the housekeeping staff have heard like the clinking of glasses and champagne bottles popping open. Oh, that's eerie. Yeah. <laughs> It's cool, but eerie. yeah, and well, and actually, that room also was um, a backdrop for the Ghostbusters film. Forgot oh yes, that's that. right. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> but you know, obviously, the most famously is Elizabeth Elizabeth Short, uh, the Black Dahlia, and her ghost is mainly seen on the tenth and the eleventh floors, and also, as I mentioned before, the elevator rides. But they say that the ghosts are harm- harmless; they just play little jokes, or they just kind of show up and disappear. They don't bother you or nothing like that. It's still not comforting, but. <laughs> nope, sure ain't. Yeah. But the other hotel that I was going to talk about is the Knickerbocker Hotel, which is now known as the Hollywood Knickerbocker Apartments. Mm-hmm. Probably seen the big sign off the 101 freeway mm-hmm. once you hit in Hollywood. Um, yeah, it's now a retirement home. Um, it's, uh, right on Ivar Avenue and it was, uh, designed, uh, in 1923 by architect E.M. Frazier in like a Spanish colonial revival style. And then, um, the building was built as the security apartments, but never opened. Uh, it was finally completed in 1929 and rechristened the Knickerbocker in June, 1929. Uh, the hotel catered to the... Uh, the film industry and it was a site of you know some of the most uh famous dramatic moments which i'll get into (laughs) because it's also extremely haunted so i feel very bad for all of those older people that live there (laughs) because they're just kind of you know getting spooked as they're you know trying to relax and you know retire (laughs) so um one of the uh, the famous uh, people that would come to the hotel is Rudolph Valentino. Oh, he would. He is um, mainly seen in the the lower like kind of lobby area um, where the bar used to be, and he used to go there all the time. Another one is uh, Marilyn Monroe. She's uh, that bitch is everywhere. I know. Uh, many have seen her kind of powdering her face in the ladies' room. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um other people um director dw griffith died in the lobby um so he's seen just kind of walking around hanging out and then uh actress uh, francis farmer was arrested in the hotel on her way they were picking her up pretty much to commit her because she was a little bit insane just a little bit they're coming to take me away Uh yes (laughs) and then also um after harry houdini's death uh on halloween in 1926 his widow Bess attempted to contact him every year for 10 years with a seance on the roof of the knickerbocker i remember reading about that yep so it is also said that harry houdini is walking around there or you can see his widow Bess on the roof trying to do a seance to connect with him because that's what he asked her to do. And that's really <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, also, there was a maintenance worker um, is la- um, a couple of years back saying that he uh, saw a woman who basically like continues to 
throw herself off a roof. Oh, that's terrible. Yes. So this is the most famous dress designer to the stars, um, Irene Gibbons. <gasps> no way. Yes. He, she threw herself off the 11th floor of the building in 1962. How did I never know this? I didn't either. Damn, how did I And she this? was amazing. Yes, she was. Yes. Oh, oh that's really sad. That's tragic. <laughs> and then in uh, 1966, actor uh, William Fra- uh, Fraley was strolling down Hollywood Boulevard. Fred he- Mertz? Yep. He suffered a heart attack, and his, uh, his nurse dragged him into the hotel where he died in the lobby. But Aww. he had previously lived at the Knickerbocker for 30 years. Okay, so... But he moved away, but... He happened to die there. I'm good to totally talk to the ghost of Fred Mertz. That sounds like fun. Yes. So, little thing like that. So, like I said, I feel very bad for the people that um, live there and have to see these ghosts. I don't. They they (laughs) have choices. That's true. But also, like, some interesting um, news about that in it. Well, a little fact. Um, in 1968, Graham Nash was staying there the day uh, Cass Elliot picked him up to go meet uh, Stephen Seals and David Crosby. Oh, wow. And the rest is history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's some kind of happier uh, news about that. But also we need to go there because I would like to meet Rudolph Valentino and see Marilyn powdering her face. I'm good with this. I'm actually like fine to just do all the Marilyn Monroe haunts. <laughs> Let's take a week off of work. Serious, I have a mission. <laughs> Just take a week off and we'll go make a grand circle tour. We'll stay, well, we have to stay two days at the Chateau Marmont, but yes. we could make well, a one night stay at a few other ones. Spread yes. it out. That'll be good. Yeah, there's just, there's so many haunted places. I mean, that's, we just named like a good chunk, but there's, there's so much more. I have one more. Ooh. I'm ready. And it's not a hotel. Okay. It's the Pantages Theater. <gasps> oh, I heard about this mm-hmm. one. So we've been to the Pantages multiple times. Um, and for anyone who hasn't, it is an iconic art deco theater in uh, Hollywood, right on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, it's amazing. And subtle plug, anytime you go, please Go eat at the Blue Palm restaurant and brewery. It's delicious. It's amazing. You'll walk right by it because it's so poorly marked, but it's right next to the Fonda. Um, but it's my favorite place to stop and eat before I go to the Pantages. Um, so a little bit of history on the Pantages. Um, it was built on vaudeville and the new Hollywood theater programmed first run movies alternating through the day and vaudeville acts with vaudeville acts for its first two years. Um, but unlike other theaters during the great depression or like other theaters during the great depression, it was forced to economize, um, and then therefore operated primarily as a movie theater. Um, although they still did do live entertainment fairly regularly during the great depression. So Alexander Pantages then sold it in 1932 to Fox West Coast Theaters. And then <gasps> and then in 1949, Howard Hughes acquired it for his RKO theater circuit and moved his personal offices to the building's second floor. Uh, and from 1949 through 59, the theater hosted the American Motion Picture Industry's annual Academy Awards ceremonies. Ooh. Yeah, and it continued to be a major a major venue for roadshow movies into the 1970s. 
And then from 1965, it was operated by Pacific Theaters. And it closed as a movie theater in January of 77 and then reopened following the following month uh, with Bubbling Brown Sugar, the first of many stage productions that have since become its regular fare. Mm. So it's now operated by an arm of the Nederlander organization. Um, and it's one of LA's leading venues for live theater. Um, it's been, it's, it's hosted large scale Broadway musicals, such as the Lion King, which I'm so sad. I didn't see it, but I it's know. coming. It's coming back. It was supposed to come back next year. There's so many things I wanted to see at the Pantages this season. Well, it's come. It's supposed to come back next year. Although I'm sure that now that, and my Hamilton pick tickets have not been canceled yet. Oh, good. Yet. Knock on wood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm supposed to go see Hamilton in November. Um, but I know that all of the other productions, because it was Hamilton was supposed to run in March of this year. Oh, okay. Um, and all of that got canceled. So uh, who knows? And I'm assuming that The Lion King and Moulin Rouge is the other one that's a, <gasps> that was supposed to come next oh, year. Oh, that's on my list. Yeah. So I'm sure that those will get pushed back a year, but that's okay. But I need to see The Lion King when it comes back. Um, and then it also has hosted the longest running LA production of Wicked. Which I did go see there, and it was amazing. I was crying by the end of the first act, and even Jared, who hates musicals and Broadway, actually really <laughs> liked it. <laughs> so you could tell that that, that there's uh, there's some truth behind how good it is. So it's in a prime location, um, right in the middle of Hollywood Boulevard, and it's super close to the Hollywood and Vine railway station. Um, and the theater underwent a $10 million restoration and upgrade in the 2000s. And it's just, it's spectacular. As soon as you walk into the doors and you look up, you're just, the art deco construction is just spectacular. Um, so they've also hosted popular concerts. I actually took my mom to see Brian, the because the Beach Boys split into two factions. So you had the Brian Wilson, Al Jardine Beach Boys, and then you had the Mike Love Beach Boys. So we got to see the Brian Wilson, uh, Al Jardine Beach Boys a couple years ago. We took her and we were the youngest people there, but my mom was so ridiculously happy. It was worth it just to see her happy. Um, but they still do some live concerts and Ooh. yeah. And it's also a very popular location for filming movies. And there are a couple of ghosts that are, that have been seen wandering around. So the first one of which being a singing woman who, oh. yeah. So she's said to have died in the mezzanine in 1932 so several employees have reported hearing her voice and then also seeing her wander around. Mm. And it is also haunted by the one and only Howard Hughes. Oh. So in 1949, when he had when he moved his offices up to the second floor, um, his employees have said that over the years they still see his apparition wandering around the Maybe. office, whether it's pacing back and forth or um, sitting in chairs and, and looking out very pensively and things so that's a little huh. creepy mm-hmm. wow yeah creepy stuff hollywood mm-hmm. and there's so much there's so much more yeah, to there's haunt. a lot yeah there's so much more to haunted hollywood that we didn't cover um 
But you can definitely go down the the 2 a.m. rabbit hole (laughs) when you can't sleep. Yeah, I I was going to get a little bit into Griffith Park, but I feel like that's like an episode on its own. (laughs) It was so long. You know what we could do? We could do... um, We could do a Haunted Hayride and Griffith Park episode. Okay, I'm good with that. I'm definitely good with that. We'll do that. Because the Haunted Hayride has not been canceled yet this year. Okay. Yet. Then I'm I'm good to save it for them because there's a lot of creepy things that I didn't know about. Oh, And I didn't know that it was cursed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, there's... And then also Haunted Laurel Canyon. Like there's just so much in Hollywood that I didn't know about as I was you know, researching for this episode. So mm-hmm. I feel like we could like even do like a little part two <laughs> of this, <laughs> which would be kind of fun, but we should, well, we're going to yeah. do a cemetery wandering part two. Oh, yay. So we should, uh, we should definitely do a haunted Hollywood part two as well. Yes, I would like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Please. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover, then please email the squad ghouls at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Our handle is the squad ghouls. Creep it real. And we'll scare you later. Goodbye. Bye.